Thanks, Joel. Well done, Adma. Welcome to Tim and Aaron. I'm John. If you are visiting, it's good to have you with us. And uh, we're, uh, you've probably picked up, we're working our way through this magnificent book called Isaiah. That's known as the fifth gospel uh, because it does talk a lot about the promises uh, fulfilled by Jesus. And uh, it's really what I love about studying the Old Testament is it just uh, gives us such a magnificent picture and insight into God and who he is and um, all the different ways, I guess, God uh, meets our needs as human beings in the world. And, and today we're thinking about a whole topic, really, of peace uh, in our world. And so I want to start off asking you a question. And this is going to reflect which decade you grew up in, okay? So how many songs about love and peace do you know? And do you have a favourite? You know, an all-time favourite about sort of, you know, that... Oh, that sort of peace song for your generation. Um, and I thought, you're sitting there thinking you're stumped. So I thought I'd help you out. So I've asked my, my DJ, that's Aaron, uh, he's, he's done a mashup of some of, the, some of the greats. It's not a mashup? What is it? Just... Oh, there you go. Right. See, I don't even know what he's done. But anyway, he's prepared something magnificent to get us thinking about peace. And maybe one of these songs might connect with you. So have a look at this. Get up and dance, Boogie, if you need to. This has got to be a favourite, doesn't it? Hey? Sit. Sit, get the phones out. He grew up with a cat. He grew up with a cat, Cat Stevens. Yeah, come on. found about how many did you find there's a whole list of them so did one of them stick out for you the five um several years ago Gita and I went and saw uh, a show called Peace Train um that Darren Coggan was doing on the life life story of of Cat Stevens uh it was just unbelievable like just how many uh remembering how many great hits that he 
he wrote, but born in London in 1948, uh, he was a boy at the age of 18, and um, he, uh, he changed his name uh, from Stephen Dimitri Giorgio, don't know why he didn't keep that one as an artist, but anyway, uh, to Cat Stevens, and uh, obviously a post-World War II baby, he grew up through that whole post-World War era, like with the Korean War, the Vietnam War, um, through that, all that political unrest, the Cold War, fear of nuclear holocaust, uh, and, and his songs, of course, are just fueled for yearning uh, and hope uh, for that generation. You know, I've been dreaming lately, or smiling lately, dreaming about the world as one. I believe it could be, someday it's going to come, because out on the edge of darkness, there rides a peace train. Oh, peace train, take this country, come take me home again. Uh, and it's really, it's a song for a nation, a song for a world at war. During the Cat Stevens show, Daryl Coggan, he asked a, a question, he said, uh, why did everyone love the cat and his music? Uh, he just said, well, like a can opener. Uh, his lyrics put into words what a whole generation was feeling and thinking and looking for. Uh, and something I think you too has done for that sort of later generation and others continue to do it today. But I wonder, look, out of all of that, and maybe your song wasn't in that little uh, hit list uh, that wasn't a mashup. It was just songs, one in a row. There might be a name for that, I don't know. But anyway... Um, what is the music that does it for you at the moment, that you just love listening to, that you, 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 know, you turn on, and do you just really connect with? helps get you through your day. Uh, peace, it's one of those things uh, that uh, you hear bandied around, we, we sort of talk about it, we long for it, search for it, uh, sing about it, vote for it. Uh, we really, really yearn for it. Uh, when some of those relationships and people that are dear to us um, are at unrest and not at peace. This is what makes the Bible uh, and books like Isaiah absolutely timeless. Even though these, these words are 800 years, they were spoken by the prophet Isaiah before uh, Jesus turned up. Isaiah's world is our world. Nothing much has changed. Uh, these words from Isaiah, that they lift us uh, from our sort of day-to-day uh, and navel-gazing, uh, lift us from our petty agendas to the God of this world, the God who rules the universe uh, and, and, and they revive us. Uh, they invite us to come and actually um, sit with them and to, uh, to believe in them. Uh, this week, in, in the sort of the, the cycle, the new cycle it's been this week, one of the headlines has been uh, Hawthorne footballer Jared Ruffhead goes in for his routine 12-monthly sort of body scan. He had a little melanoma just cut out of his lip here last week, uh, and they found spots in his organs. Um, absolutely um, gutted and... Um, uh, Mark Robinson, who's a football reporter, uh, he, he wrote, you know, back page, you know, we write and talk about football as if it's life or death or whatever your code is. Uh, but this, this makes everyone take a step back. That is, when this stuff happens, suddenly it puts things in perspective, into perspective. That's true, isn't it? And so these words of promise and hope, they're spoken, as I said, uh, hundreds of years before Jesus, fulfilled by Jesus, and they're here uh, to encourage us. They're here to actually uh, help us and to, to particularly help us see the world and see the future uh, through God's eyes, what he's doing in the world today because of what he's done in the past and promises to do in the future. Isaiah chapter 7, let me just sort of paint the picture for you. Uh, we're here in Isaiah eleven twelve. Isaiah, back in Isaiah chapter 7, um, it records um, Israel, God's Old Testament people, and their leader at the time, King Ahaz. 
that um, they were really bankrupt, very rebellious against God and his people. Uh, and God had raised up Assyria as an instrument of judgment uh, upon his own people to purify them, uh, to bring justice to bear, uh, and, and to purify a people for himself. And he sends Isaiah, his prophet, to King Ahaz, and he says, ask the Lord for a sign, you know, pray to the Lord. Uh, and he refuses to, because he's turned to Egypt. Um, as their sort of their help, if you like, their aid, their defender. Uh, so rather than turn to God, he's turned to Egypt to try to come and save him and his people from the day of trouble that is coming. And so Isaiah announces to King Ahaz and to the world that, well, you didn't, you refused to ask God for a sign. You refused to trust in the Lord. In the Lord, but I'm going to give you a sign anyway. The virgin will be with child. Uh, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they'll call his name Emmanuel, um, which means, of course, God with us. And it's why chapters 7 to 12 in Isaiah are known as the Emmanuel chapters in Isaiah. They're all about what happens when God turns up in person. <laughs> what should we expect? Um, uh, and uh, given he's given notice of that, what should we expect? So in Isaiah 11, uh, what God does here is that's why I had those words from Isaiah 9 read out. Isaiah 9 and Isaiah 11, God gives, if you like, the resume, the backstory to this Emmanuel child who's going to turn up. And of course, he did turn up, Jesus Christ, 800 years later. And so in, the, in, these, in, in chapter 11, we're told about where Jesus came from, his origin. We're told about his character, the nature of Jesus' rule, what sort of ruler or leader he will be, and most importantly, the comfort or the peace uh, that will be available to any human being uh, when he does turn up. And I've got an outline of where we're going here. Uh, Jesus is the leader, uh, the ideal leader promised, verses 1 to 9. Uh, and, and the first part of chapter 11, I don't know if you picked that up, it talks about the fitness of this leader to rule uh, and his origin. Have a look at verse 1. Uh, the shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a, a branch will bear fruit. The image here is, a, is of a tree stump that's been not just cut down, but also burnt. Okay, you've just got this left remains of a smouldering uh, tree stump. And out of it is growing a green shoot. You often see these sort of green shoots when you drive past, you know, there's been a bushfire a few months earlier, and you drive past and you see these little green shoots sort of poking out of black stumps. That's the image. It's a metaphor for God's Old Testament people. God's going to actually purify them. He's going to bring his justice to bear. On and discipline his own people but it's not the end uh, because with God and his justice it's always God uh, working towards a new, a new beginning a fresh start uh, and it's a beautiful picture this sort of green green shoot you see uh, Ahaz and, um, and Israel for, for, for a good number of years now um, God's own people who are meant to be sort of this attractive light to the nations around them they become a stench They've been vandalising God's name, rubbishing it, graffitiing God's name, um, offering up sort of God leftovers in their worship, uh, treating each other worse than unbelievers. Uh, and, and the worst culprits were actually their own leaders, the leaders of uh, their people, the God of the Bible. Um, he's, he's so patient and long-suffering in his love. Uh, but he, he won't tolerate uh, people, especially his own people, who graffiti his name. 
And so we've got this new shoot, though. It's a reminder that there's always hope. There's always a fresh start with God, that God judges always with redemption and renewal in mind. So for the genuinely contrite, for the humble, for the repentant in heart, they will always find forgiveness and restoration in turning back to God. The green shoot from this stump. uh, Notice he doesn't say a branch uh, from the stump of Jesse. He doesn't say from the stump of David, from King David. Uh, Why is that? Uh, Jesse was King David's father. Well, it's simply because this this fresh start, this new thing that God is going to do, uh, is, 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 it's, like a, it's a brand new beginning. It's a new David, a new King David. Um, except what we've got here is the ultimate upgrade. So all of the sort of defects that the, the first King David had, none of them with his son. When this king comes, he is the ultimate upgrade, the perfect king. And so every Christmas we remember that Jesus came. And he came so humble, in origin, born in an animal feed trough. Uh, Jesus, God's fresh green shoot, Emmanuel, come to save his people from sin. But notice what stands out here is not just Jesus' humble origin, not just his human origins, he was fully human, but also his eternal or God, his divine origins. Uh, that notice that jesus uh this 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 shoot um is not just a shoot but from his roots from his roots a branch uh will 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 sort of bear fruit um and so the sudoku question the question that has been a stumbling block for many people uh, since jesus turned up is how can god's king be the root of jesse as well as the sort of the branch of jesse uh, and again, it's just one of so many illusions and indications uh, of God pointing us that uh, when this Emmanuel child turns up, be fully human, born in the line of David, but also be fully God, 100% human, 100% God, uh, always at the same time. Uh, we cannot wrap our human um, finite minds around it, but God tells us, This is the truth about Jesus, God with us. So I'm led to believe that a few weeks ago, um, Harry and Lewis had a birthday. Uh, They had a a party at the paintball park at Monado. Is that right? Yeah, go on your boys. Now, one of the things I often do to the kids having birthdays is the last game is they send you out. This is what they did to Chris White. And everyone, it's Chris, it's the birthday boy versus everyone else. And you did get totally paintballed. I don't know, if, did they do that with you boys? Oh, oh, maybe take your dad back and do that with him. Uh, anyway, um, it, it's, it's so that the birthday, whoever's having the birthday is clearly identified. <laughs> you can see who are having the birthdays at a paintball park. And notice uh, what God goes on to tell Israel is that we'll, um, there's going to be sort of, um, if you like, signs or... Um, this, uh, this shoot, when they arrive, you'll be able to, we'll be able to identify him um, by the Holy Spirit of God or Spirit equipped, verses 2 and 3. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the Spirit of counsel and of might, the Spirit of the knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He will delight in the fear of the Lord. So how will we be able to identify God's perfect leader? 
wisdom, understanding, counsel, his might, his knowledge, uh, the way he, he fears the Lord. He, he lives his life before the Lord. See, here is a king from God who comes fully equipped uh, by the Spirit of God, who will be marked out by these things. And all these things, they're, they're attributes that have to do in the Bible with the ability to always live perfectly right before God, to perfectly trust and obey his word, uh, to always make right judgments, uh, to be able to see through the outer cover of human beings, uh, to, the, to the heart, to, to the things that are really going on. Uh, God's leader will always make the right call that is consistent with God's priorities recorded in the Bible. And if you read through, just read through one of the Gospels, and, and, and we see so many indications of this. Uh, of course, Luke records Jesus the child coming into the temple as a young child uh, and having conversations with all of the, the leaders there um, one year when he was about eight and bamboozling them with his wisdom and his understanding. And that's there to let us know that here is this Emmanuel child who's turned up uh, and all the signs. Again, Luke chapter 8, you've got Jesus' mother and brothers come to see Jesus. They're worried. Things are getting out of hand. They want to take him home, but they're not able to get near him because of the crowd. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. What does Jesus reply? My mothers and brothers are here. Those who hear God's word and put it into practice... They are my mothers and brothers. They are my real family. You see, that is, even my own family, they need to come in here. Um, Everyone needs to come to me. Or again, he does it again in Luke chapter 12. Someone in the crowd uh, calls out to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Um, Jesus replies, Man, who appointed me a judge of an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. That is, he, he sees through the guy's question that the issue is not with his brother's inheritance, the issue is greed. You see? Wisdom, understanding, knowledge. Uh, and the Gospels are full of it to let us know that Jesus is a leader like no other. And so it brings us to think about the character of this king's rule. What sort of a ruler will this Emmanuel child be when he turns up? Verses 3 to 5. Have a look with me. He'll delight in the fear of the Lord. He'll not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth With the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. When were you last, like, really scared of something or someone? You just suddenly, whoa, just something happened. Um, I mean, fear is a strong motivator, isn't it? God's perfect leader will perfectly fear the Lord. Give him the proper respect and reverence God deserves. This king will not judge by what he sees with his eyes. He won't decide by what he hears with his ears. You know, he won't be swayed by popularity. You know, what's going to sort of get the crowds in, the people? He won't say or do things to be liked or accepted. And the cross shows us that. There's no chance of anyone ever pulling the wool over this king's eyes. He hears, he sees, he knows everything that is going on. Um, 
Any person, rich or poor, famous or infamous, any person will get a fair and just and perfect hearing with this king. It's a, it's a picture of a beautiful leader, isn't it? A beautiful leader uh, dispensing beautiful justice, beautiful mercy, uh, everyone getting a fair go. And so what will life be like as a result of this leader's rule? Verses 6 to 9. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Again, it's, just, it's, just, it's a metaphor, it's a portrait of the most vulnerable dwelling alongside the most powerful and violent and destructive. It's a picture of a a universe, a creation, uh, that at every point is at peace. At peace, isn't it? It's sort of a bit like the Garden of Eden, you know, before Adam and Eve sinned, except it's a a lot more than that, isn't it? It's so much, it's better. The lion eating straw with the ox... Pretty good news for the ox, I reckon. <laughs> the child playing safely at the hole, uh, you know, of the spider, of the snake, without fear of harm or danger. Good news for the child. Good news for mum and dad too, I reckon. It's poetic language to describe the reconciliation and the healing and the unity that this, this king is going to bring. Uh, a reconciliation uh, between people who are at enmity, people who are at enmity with God, reconciled, people who are at enmity with others, reconciled, a world that is groaning under the, as, as a consequence of, 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 of people's greed and sin and, and everything. A whole universe reconciled. Here is predator and prey reconciled. Everyone on an equal playing field. I mean, it's, it's just a, it's a profound picture of peace and funnily enough if if you go and look at the lyrics of some of those songs about peace um, it's funny how they sound a bit like this Um, all the hate healed imagine living in a society where there there is no hate imagine that a broken world remade all brought about by this perfect king's perfect servant leadership And of course, we're going to explore that in later chapters in Isaiah. But it's why we read in the New Testament part of the Bible in so many places. Just give you one example. This is from the Apostle Paul's letter to to help Christians understand the sort of reconciliation that Jesus has has brought. He says this, God has been pleased to to, to reconcile to himself all things, not some things, all things, whether on earth or in heaven, how? By making peace by the blood of Jesus. By what happened at Jesus' cross, God has reconciled all things. It's like a mate of mine, he, he woke up one early, uh, early one Saturday morning and, and he, as he likes to do, he wakes up a bit earlier before his kids so he can have his coffee, read the paper. And stuff, but uh, one of his uh, daughters woke up earlier than usual and came out, you know, Daddy, Daddy, can you play with me? And, you know, 
So anyway, he's, he noticed in the paper this big picture of a world. So he cut it up and sent it off. To, you go and put the world, you know, go put the world back together. Uh, anyway, he's sitting, sitting, sitting into reading his paper and she comes back. You know, and it's done. It's like it's done in like 10 minutes. How'd you do that? And, and she goes, oh, daddy, um, on the back is a picture of a man. So if you make the man perfect, the world is perfect. <laughs> Pretty clever. Three-year-old, but anyway. Um, but that's, that's what's being said here. Is God has made the perfect man, the perfect leader for us. And because he's done that and he's come into the world... Uh, and served us in such a beautiful way, enabling human beings, the whole world, to be reconciled with God and in that to enjoy reconciliation with one another. Now, of course, we're not there yet. We're not there yet. God has made the man right. His name is Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. And the idea of needing to respond then to this man is really where the second half of Isaiah 11 goes. Uh, The need to respond and rally to God's perfect leader, God's perfect king. If if you're going to be part of God's peace project, um, a bit like Cat Stevens' peace train, you've got to get on the train. (laughs) You know, you you can sort of, there's no point if you sort of stand there and wave. You've actually got to get on the train. And, And that's the point of the second half of this chapter from verses 10 and 11. Just have a look at um, verse 10 and verse 12 with me. Verse 10 and verse 12. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him and his place of rest will be glorious. And again, verse 12. He'll raise a banner for the nations and gather the exiles of Israel. He will assemble the scattered people of Judah from the four quarters of the earth. So his own people, Judah and Israel, who are scattered, the nations who are scattered, doesn't matter. Um, when this leader comes and God raises him up, raises the banner, it'll be for any human being who will come and rally to this king. Jesus himself alluded to this text in John chapter 12, when he said, but when I, speaking about himself, When I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men to myself. He said this to show what kind of death he was going to die. You see, Jesus being lifted up on his cross is God and his own son drawing the whole world, the nations to themselves. And of course, we've got the resurrection to let us know that God really has done it. Uh, To point us to the cross Uh, that God really has done this. This invitation to come, to rally and get on God's peace train, to come and be part of God reconciling all things to himself, it happens as individual human beings respond and rally to this king. And so every time we share the message of the gospel with someone, we're sharing the most beautiful, life-saving, powerful news we can in the world. You want to make a difference in the world? with peace that's how you do it you actually live out the gospel when you share it with your fellow human beings because it's through jesus through the message of the cross that god is reconciling all things and it it's it's only the message of the cross that has the power of god 
to be able to regenerate and reform the human heart where the real problem for hate and all those things reside. Um, God's doing some really cool things at TBE at the moment. Um, and there's a guy coming along, a young lad called, I'll just call him T. He's been coming, invited by, um, by Lachlan, uh, come in the last three weeks. And anyway, um, the reason T has started coming um, is because a few months earlier, his mum went over to New Zealand. Well, why did she go to New Zealand? Well, because when they immigrated out from China, that's where they lived. Um, and they made friends. And so she went back to visit her friends. A good number of them had become Christians. They'd rallied to God's king. And she, she just couldn't believe how different, they liked, how different they were. Um, and, and you know how you sort of, you don't see people for a while, then you go back and see them and you notice how much they've changed as opposed to when you live with them, you know, every day. Um, she, she just couldn't believe it. And so when she came back to Australia, the first thing she did was she sort of, I've got to go and check this Jesus person out. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe, you know, he can do that for my life as well. And that's what she's doing. And it turns out that her son, T, is, um, has been struggling and increasingly sort of, you know, unhappy with his life, uh, trying to find meaning and purpose. Um, and, you know, just, I love the way God works. It just happened that he sort of bumped into Lachlan, an old friend he studied with, hadn't seen him for quite a while. Uh, and, and, and Lachlan goes, oh, you should come to my church. He comes. You know, he was primed, he was ready. And it's, it's, it's just... Great to see what's going on there. Um, he's also started coming to the Young Adults Prayer and Bible Study Group on Wednesday night. Um, he started to pray, to talk to God, to see what it feels like. <laughs> That's pretty cool, isn't it, after three weeks? Um, and I've noticed uh, that he's sort of started to sort of join in with the songs as well. He started to sing. And, and there are other people like T um, at TBE. And, and maybe there are some people here like that this morning. But it brings us really to the, the pointy end of God's application for every one of us this morning. Okay, every one of us this morning. Is it time for you, for I, to, to, just to start meaningfully praising this king? Meaningfully praise God's king. Because that day promised by Isaiah, um, well, it's, it's come, the cross. And the New Testament makes it very clear that for, for human beings like you and I, when it talks about, um, say, in chapter 12, in that day, you will say, in that day, that day is today. That, that day is the day you hear the gospel. That is the day for you and I. And again, that day is today. And this sort of like a sort of a five-part symphony. That's how Isaiah works. Chapters 1 to 12 is the first act. Notice how chapter 12 ends with everyone praising God and praising this king as saviour. And that's how every act ends in Isaiah. And what's going on here are human beings meaningfully, genuinely praising this king because they've come and rallied, they've got on the peace train. They've, they've come and actually got, they're a part of God's peace project. Um, this is a really short chapter. There are two songs here in chapter 12, and it really is the application of all that's been said so far. And it's very simple. The first song is individual human beings 
who have responded and are praising this king. So in that day, you will say, in the original language, that you is singular. So it's not use all, it's, it's you, Colin. You know, it's you, Hans. It's, it's you. You as an individual will say, and then notice all the personal pronouns. I will praise the Lord. You were very angry with me, not us, with me. Your anger has turned away and you have comforted me. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself is my strength and my defence. He has become my salvation. Authentic faith. Uh, the word there for praise is the same word for, for, for giving thanks to God, being overwhelmed with thankfulness uh, to someone else. Authentic faith expresses itself in being overwhelmed in gratitude and thanks to God and to his leader, to Jesus, having come and experienced the forgiveness of your sin, having experienced what it means to have been saved out from this coming day of justice, saved out from under God's anger. Um, someone who really, genuinely, meaningfully praises God, they understand the cross. The cross is all about God putting the anger, this is personal, the anger that you and I deserve, putting that on Jesus. The word is propitiation, when God's anger is turned away and put someone on someone else. That's at the heart of the cross. You know that horrible feeling when you know you've stuffed up? Um, probably speaking mainly to blokes here anyway. You know when you've, you've stuffed up with your parents or your spouse or a friend is angry with us? You know, just, you've ever, you know, we've all experienced it. It's, it's one of the not nicest, hor it's a horrible feeling. And the, isn't the only path, you, you know that this person, they are really upset with you, maybe even actually angry with you. Now, if you want to find comfort, what do you have to do? You've got to go back to the person who's angry with you and you've got to say sorry. Please forgive me, I'm sorry. Hopefully they do. That anger, forgiveness, then becomes comfort as the relationship is reconciled. It happened, this is the stuff of life. Uh, this is the cross. This is the stuff of God. Now, whether you've got little background in church things i don't know where some of you have come from today you might have grown up in a church grown up in in sort of a christian going a christian family same question and i was really struck uh and, and again i was struck by this but at a conference i was at um a training conference the day i went to this week and as this pastor who was at the twilight the end of his life told how he went about things in his story, I was just struck, and so this is for the teenagers here, okay? Um, one of the dangers of being a teenager growing up in a Christian household is you haven't actually yet really, really, from your heart of hearts, acknowledged that God is angry with you. You need to respond. You actually need to make a choice, a decision, a choice to turn away from living for yourself. I'm going to live for God, for Jesus. I'm, I'm going to do this. 
And God, please help me to do this. God, I'm sorry. I want to get on your peace train. And and as for anyone here, we've got to do it. Doesn't matter whether you've grown up in a Christian family or this is the first time you've heard the Christian gospel. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. God's even given us the song to sing. We don't have to write it. Here it is, the song of salvation. And have you, will you make this your song of salvation? Have you done it yet? Are you singing salvation's song? Have you, will you make this God your saviour? Because if you aren't really singing this song yet, there's a good chance you haven't actually really made this God your saviour. And that's what God's inviting you to do here in Isaiah, all of us right now, to humble ourselves, come to this king to say sorry, ask for forgiveness and start singing like you really mean it. Singing Salvation's song. In a few moments, we're going to remember Jesus' death in the Lord's Supper. And I'm going to invite all of us to pray the prayer of confession like you mean it. And to sing Salvation's song like it really is your song. I would invite you to do that. Because Jesus' death for you and I is God saying, I love you, I forgive you, and I really, really mean it. And of course, as we do this personally, as we respond, as we do this together, what ends up happening? We make this beautiful public uh, song, don't we? Together. uh, Where we sing out to one another and declare to one another, that yes, this God is my saviour, and I mean it. And we commend this God to others. And so this chapter finishes, the second song, is a song uh, where in that day you, use all, plural, will say, give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done, proclaim that his name is exalted, sing to the Lord for he has done glorious things. Let this be known to all the world. Shout aloud, sing for joy, O people of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel among you. And so from invitation, we go to exhortation. For God's people for whom have personally responded, praise him among the nations. Make known what he's done among the nations. Sing to the Lord glory. Let it be known. Which is what happens when we gather and of course, it's, it's, it's a natural outworking. I mentioned this la- last week, that we honour and praise someone just as much when we do it to their face as when we tell others about them. Okay? And that, that's what's going on here. Meaningful, personal and public praise, it glorifies God and encourages and builds up God's people. It's really good for us. That's why it's so important that we come and, and you, you keep exhorting pe- people who you know aren't here this morning. You keep exhorting them to come. It's the pointy end of the application of Jesus' cross. So the invitation is from here to come in person and in public to meaningfully praise and glorify this God. So it's actually to do it like we really mean it.